Good afternoon from Southeast Asia in rainy Manila today. It's okay. It's cooler. Now it's only 143 degrees. Big drop. <laughs> this will be episode or volume number 12 of the Southeast Asia. Oh, crap. Uh, oh, what the hell are we going to call them today? I've been calling them the Southeast Asia Chronicles podcast. That sucks. I don't know. Do you want to move to Southeast Asia? I, it, it, that's, that's kind of a long convoluted name. That's kind of crappy. I don't know. I don't really have much of an imagination, you know? Okay, all tapes, whatever the hell they're called, all the content is copyright 2023 by stockphotosworldwide.com. And if you see them hosted anywhere else, tell us. We'll sue them, as we've done before, and we'll send you a third of whatever the net proceeds is. Send you a third. We will really, truly do it. <laughs> we really will. Um, awards can be... We've had them as low as like a thousand bucks. We've had them up around 10,000. We know people who have gotten them up to 30,000 for uh, <clears throat> stealing copyrighted work doesn't make any difference if you steal it and don't make money on it. Uh, you still diluted the value of our product. Nail you. Well, nail you really, really good. Don't do it. You know, you want to put something on your website? Create it. Don't steal it. God, these millennials and snowflakes. Gee, oh, God, that would be on YouTube. That would be hate speech. Oh, God. Uh, we are under an incredible amount of pressure to start monetizing <clears throat> this stuff. Um, we're pushing 300 episodes of the Alien podcasts. We've only got a dozen of these things. Um, man, I, we've resisted it all these years. Totally resisted it. We, we've done a few advertising spots embedded into the alien podcasts just because somebody specifically got a hold of us said hey would you promote this would you promote that we've taken a little bit of money but we have not gone out and sought it sought it god it's such a pain in the ass um i mean no such thing as too much money we've got kind of enough pretty happy. Why complicate it by getting more? Then there's a bunch more new IRS forms you got to fill out. And gives, gives them all the more excuses to look at you, you know? The biggest problem we see with it is if we went through YouTube, then we got to start watching what we say, like what I just said a minute ago. If I start bitching and griping about millennials and snowflakes, um, stealing our work, and they're the ones who do it. Um, YouTube can yank a channel because that's hate speech. Yeah, I hate thieves. And they happen to be largely, mostly, almost completely millennials and snowflakes. That's hate speech, though. I can't say. I, maybe the very word thieves. Oh, that's, that's hatred directed towards a certain class of people. Yes, it's hatred directed towards thieves. Fuck them. <laughs> Jeez. 
amazingly, the swearing is not really a problem on YouTube. They, they kind of, they waffled back and forth for a while. For a while, they said, oh, you can't swear. You can't even say hell. Maybe not even heck. We're not sure yet, but it's, oh, it's just offensive. Oh, it, oh. And then they waffled back the other way and they said, well, you know, swearing's okay. Just don't drop any F-bombs in the first 15 seconds. What? Why in God's name would that matter? What? What kind of crazy, stupid donkey bastards are you? <laughs> what were you coming up with with these rules? Huh? I guess you can swear every other word after 15 seconds. I don't know. But anyway, the swearing is apparently not a problem anymore. YouTube has kind of wised up and become adults about that. But the hate speech thing terrifies everybody. And people cannot just create content anymore and put it out there and let the chips fall where it may, where they may. Um, now they have to be censors to their own work. And well, that, that's kind of sort of okay. Okay, 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 okay. Let, let's look at it this way. YouTube wants a particular product. Okay, got it. It's their servers. It's their forum. It's their everything. Okay, they only want certain things on. Okay, okay, that's fair. Tell us what you want and tell us what you don't want. Be clear. You can't just put out this nebulous, all-encompassing all drivel written by a bunch of mindless attorneys saying, well, you know, if we deem something to be offensive, <laughs> well, what the hell? To, to, you know, everything on earth is offensive to someone, somewhere. So what, what do you want? What can we say? What, what can we not say? And people have been pushing them and pushing them to be clear, and they won't because they don't want to be pinned down to it. They like having all that power. So you got some little snowflake twit sitting there at YouTube, scanning the material, looking at complaints. And like that poor woman, I keep going back to her on, on Facebook and she made the comment to her friend, all men are ugly. Well, somebody on Facebook personally took exception to that, yanked her account. Um, they'd like having that power. That's all there is to it. So we're, we're being pushed really hard to monetize on YouTube? I don't know what the hell we we would, to, to use our existing 300 podcasts, we would have to go <clears throat> back through each and every one and strike out anything that could remotely be construed as hate speech. And, and I just mentioned a minute ago, a couple of times, if I say I don't like Millennials and snowflakes stealing our copyrighted content. If I say that, that's hate speech. Or it can be. You don't know from one minute to the next. It might not be hate speech today, but the next person on YouTube who sees it, they might consider it hate speech because they're a millennial. And I have disparaged millennials. Well, yeah, I do it quite a bit and I'm going to continue doing it. Uh, you know, like it, grow up, get a fucking life. Really? 
So I don't know. There, you know, there's potentially a lot of money to monetize this stuff. Um, what do we even do with it? We're living pretty good now. What would we even do with it? It probably it would just complicate our lives. Would there be any net gain to it? Probably not. I, I was I had a period of my life when I was really quite well off. I was a commercial diver. I was making twenty six hundred dollars USD an hour. Could do two two dives a day at that depth. Um, and I had a lot of money. I had more money than I ever thought I would make in my lifetime. I, I was owner of the company, but you know, still. Um, the money did not make me happy at all. In fact, it detracted from my happiness. I just went out and I had all this money sitting in the bank headed in my pocket. I, I never had less than about five, seven, eight thousand bucks in my pocket, in my pocket, just in case I saw something I liked, you know? This was in the later 70s and on, on through after that. Um, I'd go to an air show and I'd see a shiny airplane and I'm like, I just buy it. So I'd check, take it home, fly it for a while. And then the complications would start, you know, it needed this inspection, it needed that repair, it needed this, and yeah, I had to pay for hangar space, you know, and then, so, yeah, it was fun, yeah, it was, you know, and, and I did that quite a bit, and then I'd sell it for always less than I paid, and I regret that, and it, um, I don't know. Money can give you a degree of security, but it doesn't necessarily buy security. It buys, it can buy security. It doesn't always. Well, I don't know, I don't know what we're gonna do. Anyway, in, in any case, if we do decide to monetize these and, and start doing something different, these ones will remain the same on our server forever and ever. Can't take them off. Not even YouTube can take them off. Uh, we don't care. We'll do say whatever the hell we want. Uh, so there would be different versions that went onto YouTube if we did it anyway. And I just don't know that we want to get involved in that. YouTube screwed us really, really badly many, many years ago. It cost us a registered trademark and a business because they were just so flaky and stupid and I, dishonest. I'm not sure. Maybe that's the word. Dishonorable. I think so. Illegal? I think so. So we've still got a really, really bad, bad, poisonous, toxic taste in our mouths from YouTube. So. Anyway, okay. Um, and the last one. I got a bunch of notes here from yesterday's or day before, whatever. Uh, okay, in the last one, uh, we left you. I had gotten my visa my my retirement visa in uh, Thailand and I needed to find a room get out of that hotel get a room get a real room <laughs> okay this was kind of my first introduction to Southeast Asia and it, and it began to wake me up regarding just how far down the rabbit hole I might have fallen because <laughs> I didn't get it before that. Nobody does. Nobody does. You'll think you do, 
Uh, I know people who have been in Thailand for 25 years and are still waking up once a week saying, Oh, really? Oh, I didn't expect that, <laughs> you know, after 25 years. Uh, okay, so I'll go through the story. And then after I get into this room, I'll go hit some of these notes that I've got here from people. Um, I was hanging around this one restaurant thing. It was a bar restaurant. Uh, it had lots of hookers in it. I didn't deal with them. Didn't want them. Didn't care. But for, for what? I, you know, if, if, if I, if I got to the point after losing my wife, if I got to the point where I wanted another relationship, it sure in the hell wasn't going to be a hooker relationship. It was going to be a real one. So these girls were, they were fine to talk to for a few minutes, you know. About it. That's just as far as it can go. So I did that occasionally when they came over. And, you know, it was nice to all of them. And they were nice to me and everything was fine. I'd sit there and pass my afternoons. I usually didn't stay up very late. <laughs> I, about 10 o'clock. That's about it. And uh, one night, they, they, I, I had developed some friends in there. Most of them were servers. One of them was a cashier. She was uh, getting on up there. She was late 60s. And, and as a Thai woman, she looked every minute of it. <laughs> yeah. And she was crazy. On top of that, she was crazy. 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 Mad Hatter, kind of crazy. Um, and I knew the mama son, talked to her a lot. Her English was better. Uh, and then the servers and, you know, like that. Um, one or two of the hookers kind of talked to a little bit, not too much. And anyway, they would come around once in a while, sit at my table, and they would make a little bit of a tip thing if you bought them a lady drink, even the mama son. They didn't make much. You know, you had to pay 140 baht for a lady drink and they got to keep 40 baht, something like that, which is cola, you know, or sugar water, some stupid thing. But it was it was just a nice token thing that you did for them, um, you know. And it gave me an excuse to sit there and talk to you and not talk to somebody else that they might hate. So that's, that's just kind of how that worked. Um, <clears throat> so one night, and... and I noticed that they had been hanging around more and more, getting more and more lady drinks. And my bar tab at the end of the night was, was getting higher and higher, you know. Getting uh, a lot of nights, it was a couple hundred bucks. And that wasn't a problem. It was fine. Um, I didn't really check the, uh, the details. <laughs> you know, I should have. I probably got screwed over quite a bit. Don't know. That's really common. It's really common. All through Southeast Asia, maybe especially in Thailand, um, they will just add things on your tab that never that you never ordered at all. Uh, and people, guys, have gotten really screwed with really big tabs, like three grand, you know, stuff like that. Um, so I, I that was in the back of my mind. I didn't really think about it too much. But anyway, one night. Um, they all sort of showed up at my table in mass and just hung out and hung out and hung out. And I noticed that 
even the ones I didn't like. You know, they'd sit there for a few minutes and pretty soon they had a drink. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know where they got that. I didn't order it. You know. <laughs> and um, that went on for the whole night. And it was quite a little party. And at the end of the night, my bar tab was 600 bucks. And it was okay, but I thought, mm, that's enough. That's enough of this shit. Because they were not people I really wanted to invest in. They were, they were just passing the time, you know. They were all, all girls, all ladies. Um, and anyway, so I had put the word out throughout that evening that I was looking for a room. And the cashier, the old woman, said, well, she knew of one. She had a friend. Oh, God, that should have been the first fucking two. And uh, I was supposed to meet her there at like 8 o'clock in the morning or something. Oh, God, it was just a medieval time of day. And uh, and then she, we would get a cab and she would take me to look at this room. I thought, well, that's very nice of her. You know, I didn't really like her, but that's a nice thing to do, right? Isn't it? <laughs> so I met her there and uh, we got a cab. Turned out the cabbie was her friend. Charged us, way overcharged us for going across town to see this room. And uh, got there. We went in. Landlord showed up. Landlord was the guy I had met before. Frank. Big fat. Nasty Frank. The, that's the same guy. I told you the story. He had, he was a doctor from Australia. He, he, he owned a bunch of condos, I guess. And he had taken his fiance to Australia and then caught her in the back seat with the cabbie, you know, like that. Okay. Same guy. So anyway, I looked around, room was okay, price was a little high, but it was okay. I needed, I just needed a room, you know, so I'm not paying every damn week. And uh, got the room, uh, leased it for three months. And the hell, I guess we got the same cab. He took us back, back to, back to the restaurant and uh, overcharged us again. And we got back at the restaurant. I went in to have a Coke, sat down at my table. And um, the cashier wouldn't even speak to me. Wouldn't even speak to me. And I thought, oh, well, uh, hmm, what the hell? Huh? And I, I started to think in the back of my mind, God, maybe I was supposed to tip her you know, for, for going to this trouble. Um. And I wasn't sure, and I didn't know if I should ask, or, you know, I just kind of let it smolder like that for a few days. Um, and she just wouldn't talk to me, or if she did, if she brought me a drink, she'd kind of slam it down, walk away. And uh, probably about three or four days that went on like that. And meantime, I'm, you know, getting my stuff, moving it into that room. Um, and finally, she just got so nasty, I couldn't take it anymore. And, and there was one bar girl there that I had gotten to know fairly well, and her <clears throat> her English was okay, and and I, I trusted her teeny, teeny tiny little bit, you know, much as far as you can trust a crocodile. And I got her aside, and I said, "Hey, what's what what do you, what's going on here with with this cashier? You know, we 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 were never really friends, but we weren't enemies for God's sake." And she helped me get that room and I thanked her profusely and now she won't talk to me. So what's the deal? 
<laughs> she looked at me like, are you crazy? You stupid phalang. Are you really this stupid? Nobody can be this stupid. <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, I, I can. You know, you're looking at living proof. <laughs> I really am this stupid one. I want to know. Tell me. No, I can't tell you. No, it's, it's too bad. It's too bad. Everybody hate you now. <laughs> oh, God. I didn't do anything even remotely bad. How can they hate me? And it took me quite a while to drag it out of her. God away. And she finally said, after you paid for the room, you got the keys. Landlord left. Before you went down to get in the cab, you were supposed to have sex with the cashier. That's what she thought was going to happen. That's why she was doing this. I said, no, 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 no. You got something wrong. You misunderstood something. That's no, 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 no. But she assured me forever. I knew her for many years after that. She continued to assure me that was the deal that I wasn't in on. <laughs> uh, and the relationship with the cashier forevermore was pretty strained. And I thought, how could I possibly have misconstrued? <laughs> well, I didn't misconstrue anything. I just didn't ever, never occurred to me. The, what she's quite old she's quite old quite old really quite old you know 68 or something looked uh, you know 75 and and we never really hit it off anyway why would she think that was going to be the deal I don't know I never did figure out if if I had done that was I also supposed to pay her for it Probably, almost certainly, because that's Thailand. Okay. So, I moved into the room. It was a shit room. Terrible room. Full of cockroaches. Just nasty. Just full of cockroaches. God. And I stayed there the three months. Just because I wanted my deposit. I had had to put a, a naturally big deposit on it even though the guy was a friend. And stayed there, gave him notice, gave him proper 30 days notice. And that pissed him off really pretty severely. He thought he thought he had me on the hook for life, probably. Gave him the 30 days, and the, the time came up. And um, I paid a local girl to come in and clean the room, make sure it was spotless. It was filthy when I moved in, but I wanted it spotless when I moved out. I used to be a landlord, and uh, I, I know what it's like to get a renter out and then have a filthy mess to clean up, and I won't be one of those people. So I paid a girl to come in and clean it top to bottom, just clean, you know, it's empty, clean it, everything. And she did. And then I said, okay, I'm out, I'm done, Tell the staff. Uh, this guy wasn't available. He was somewhere else. He, they were just communicating by phone. The, the staff was communicating with him. The staff of the building was communicating with him. And uh, the staff came in and, and looked at the room and they said, well, this is filthy. Did he, you, know, you, you never get back deposit now, stupid filet. 
I said, what are you talking about? I just had it cleaned. It's, I, I can't find any dirt anywhere I look. It's really, really squeaky clean. They said, no, 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 no. We must clean. We must clean it. And then it will be clean. Okay, they just wanted the money. God almighty. So, okay, I paid this whole, it's like four or five of them came in, cleaned everything again. Of course, they didn't get any dirt. You know, the, 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 the water in the mop bucket was clear. You know, there wasn't no dirt to get. But I paid them to clean it again. And I said, okay, now I'm done. Now I want my deposit back because the staff was holding my deposit since this guy was out of town. And uh, they called him and said, okay, we cleaned the room. We vouched for it. It's clean. Can we give back deposit? He said, no. I said, what? What do you mean, no? It's right there in the lease. And the staff... Your own staff just vouched for it. What do you mean I don't get deposit back? And he said, well, the safe doesn't work. I said, what the hell are you talking about? What do you mean the safe doesn't work? And he said, well, it's broken. And I said, well, it was when I moved in and I paid a safe man at my expense to come and fix it. And now it works perfectly. He said, no, it's broken. No deposit. Get out. And I said, no. Bullshit. This is not going to fly. So the staff kind of saw him for what he was. And the staff went and found the safe man, because he lived right there. Thai safe man. <clears throat> and uh, he demonstrated, we, we did a live stream to the owner, demonstrated the safe was perfectly fine. Every function worked. He um, told him he had fixed it. The safe was perfectly fine. There was nothing wrong with it. Period. The end. And the owner said, uh, no, he does not, he's talking, talking about me, he does not get deposit back now. He must also pay me 15,000 baht. Well, you're one crazy motherfucker, mad hatter, fucking piece of goddamn shit, aren't you? Really, it's a good thing you're not here because you'd be going to the dentist tomorrow. This was just insane, just insane. This was an Australian doctor. And finally, uh, I took a staff down to the lobby. I said, call the police because I'm not leaving. Just call the police and they can arrest me for trespass wherever you want. I'm not leaving until I get my deposit back. And Thais don't like confrontations like that. And so they, they're all looking at the floor and they're walking around. And they could see that this guy was a flaming fucking ripoff scammer, piece of shit, asshole. What the fuck was his last name? I can't remember. I've got it in my file somewhere. I had more trouble with him later. God damn it. Um, and they fished around for a while and they were going to call the police and then they decided not to. And they ended up calling the owner back a few more times and told him, look, you know, we all saw it. The safe works fine. The room is really, really antiseptically clean. And, uh, you know, we don't really have any choice. We're going to have to give this guy's money back. And the Frank was like, no, no, don't give him money. No, he, and he also must pay me 15,000 baht for something. I don't know what that was supposed to be for. Uh, and funny, they just pretty much said, fuck you, Frank. And they hung up and they gave me back my deposit, went out. 
um, that was my first experience renting something in Thailand. And as I've said before, people talk a lot about how the Thai landlords are going to rip you off. Well, they probably will. But the Phalang landlords are going to rip you off more. They are far more dishonest than the Thais. They are just dastardly. I've got a huge website about the last one I dealt with. Uh, a property rental place, a big one, a big one. And I got their names and pictures and their home addresses and the whole bit on there. And they can't do a goddamn thing about it. And it has affected their business very seriously. Um, now, in Thailand, when you have an experience like that, you cannot tell anyone. Because not only can the person you're talking about sue you for defamation and win every time. They'll win every time. It's also a crime, and the police will arrest you and put you in jail for defaming someone in Thailand. Now, if you're coming from the U.S. or even the U.K., you have an inborn kind of a love for free speech. It's very, very crucial to your existence. Um, in the Thai law about defamation, it states, quote, the truth may not be considered a defense. Look it up. Google it. If you say anything disparaging about anyone or any business, or God forbid, especially the government, or, or you want to go 50, layer, 50 levels higher than that, talk about, say, say one bad thing about the king, and you will spend probably the rest of your life in a Thai prison forever. You won't come out. No embassy can help you. Lots of them, lots of them in there for that. Anyway, when people did these things like this, like this bad landlord, uh, I would make a website and I would show it to them. And I would put it on the internet in such a way that only they could see it. But they thought everybody could see it. And so they would run around to attorneys and all kinds of shit like that and uh, spend all kinds of money and waste all kinds of time trying to prosecute me for defaming them. Well, I hadn't publicly. It took them a long time to figure that out in some cases. Um, only they could see the page. And then when they found that out, they're like, oh, fuck. What, what, what can I do now? What the, what, 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 what? Okay. And then when I left Thailand, I activated every page so the public tired of thieves. Uh, this guy was, uh, well, this guy told me one time, he, how do he put it? He said, he is the most, oh, he said, I am the most dishonorable human being I've ever known, talking about himself. And it turned out he, he was. And I'll, I'll tell you stories about him later. 
God. So you go to Thailand or, or any other Southeast Asian country, even the Philippines. I've had trouble in the Philippines already. Um, you have to be very, very wary of the Thais, Thai landlords, landladies, but more so of the phalanx. That's the God's truth. Um, Thai businesses are corrupt and scammy and dishonest and dishonorable and horrible. But the phalanx businesses are maybe two levels lower than that. Oh, it's a bad situation. Okay, so I still got this note up here. People want me to tell monkey stories. What the hell? Remember the old, you ever watched David Letterman? Jackass. God, he was a worthless human being. But anyway, I watched him for a while until I figured out he was a worthless human being. Um, he used to have some girl on there. She was like a stage assistant or some damn thing. And he would travel around, I guess, to some places, something like that. And she would always ask him when he got back, did you see or touch any monkeys? <laughs> you know, she, she was that three, four, five times a night asking that. It became a little joke line, you know. Anyway, so I guess people want me to tell them if I saw or touched any monkeys. Um, yeah, monkeys are everywhere. Um, in many areas of Thailand, not all. They used to be everywhere and then they kind of get forced out or eaten or something. I don't know. But some areas are just lousy, lousy, lousy with them. Where I was, um, oh my God. I, I, well, there's some pictures on stockphotosworldwide.com of monkeys doing monkey things. Um, I borrowed a motorbike one day and rode to a monkey place just to commune with the monkeys because they like to sit there. They'll come and sit on your lap. And they'll groom your hair, shit like that. Once in a while, they'll bite you, and then you got to go get the rabies. You know, <laughs> they never bit me. I'm lucky. Um, Sometimes they'll just attack you for no reason. They'll be sitting on your lap and then they'll just attack you, you know, because they're crazy. <laughs> and, uh, but I have to go up there sometimes and uh, you could buy bananas and stuff like that and mess around with them. And you give them, uh, you take a, bo a bottle of bottled water and uh, I don't remember that they could get the, I think they could get the cap off. But in any case, you would uh, take the cap off and give them the bottle, and they knew exactly how to drink it. You know, you gave them the last half. You didn't. You didn't drink it after that. You know, but uh, they would just sit there and on your lap and drink this bottle of water. <laughs> you know, it was fun. Um, anyway, I borrowed this motor guy's motorbike and rode it up there, up onto this hill, and sat there and. She talked to the monkeys, communed with them for a while, an hour, something like that, hour and a half. And I got done, and I'm going back to the motorbike, and they're all following me, you know. Yeah, don't go away. We love you. <laughs> and, uh, and I went to put the key in the, <laughs> in the motorbike, and I saw a bunch of wires hanging out <clears throat> by the switch, and I thought, oh, no, this cannot be good. <laughs> And it was not good. Um, they, while I was over in the other place where I couldn't see them, they had stripped out every single 
inch of wire that they could get their little monkey claws on. And when I looked around, they were sitting around on the ground near the motorbike, and they were stripping the insulation off the wires. They'd throw the copper wire down, but they would chew up the insulation like it was licorice, you know, something like that. They stripped everything out of that motorbike they could get a hold of. It was really impressive. What the hell? I don't think it hurt them. It, it would have passed through, you know. I hope. Who would have thought? And uh, we had to truck the motorbike down. Had a whole new wiring harness. You know, it cost me quite a bit of money. Um, and then from then on, anytime I went up there, I just stayed near the motorbike and uh, they, they'll grab your helmets and run off and they, they love to pull stuffing out of your helmets. Um, one thing, one thing they really enjoy doing is they'll sit on the seat and look at themselves in the mirror, in your, in your, in your side mirrors, kind of groom. And sometimes they'll kiss themselves in the mirrors. That, that always tickled me. Um, there was a eating area there, and if you started heading for the place to order some food, oh, they're on you. They're on you. you you got a herd of them hanging around your feet, you know. And I swear to God, I could hear them down there. I want this one, Papa. I want that. No, I, I, like, I, like, the, I, like, I like the pop. Yeah, Papa, please, can you get that, you know? I swear, that's what they were saying. And I would order stuff for me and stuff for them. <laughs> and I'd go sit down on a rickety picnic table and, and they're on you. They're on you. And you got to cover your own food, you know, pretty diligently because they'll take anything. Even if they don't like it, they'll take it. Uh, and then you, you parse out the stuff you've gotten for them. You know, here, okay, you, you can have this little thing now. Don't eat it all at once. You know, it'll spoil your dinner. You know, it was like that. And, of course, they scarfed whatever they could get hold of. And uh, then when he didn't have anything at all anymore, they'd run off and go harass somebody else. But I always look forward to those. That was fun. Um, some people did get bitten badly. Go get the shots, you know, because they're, they're rabies carriers. Can be. Um, and, you'll, and you'll never, you'll, you know... You say, well, it was that one, he had brown hair. You know, they're never going to come back and get him and cut his brain open to find out if he was rabid. They're never going to know which one he was. So he does get the shots. Jesus. You can get uh, rabies vaccines, and they're kind of nasty in and of themselves. Um, and they still don't absolve you from having to go get rabies shots. If something bites you, it just means you get fewer of them. Okay. Um Another time I was in a uh, golf cart. It was a big golf cart. We rented it. It was an open zoo. I don't know how much land it covered. It must have been, man, it must have been like 320 acres. It was huge. Maybe more than that. No, it was more than that. It had to have been a whole section, 640 acres. Huge. And they had these little paved paths that meandered all through. You know, you could see that all the animals were wild. And they all live together, you know, more or less in harmony, kind of, sort of. <laughs> and so you just, you drove along. And, and I had a girlfriend and, I guess, just one little kid. And we're driving along, driving along, slowly, slowly. You know, you're doing five, six, seven miles an hour. Because you're trying to see stuff. 
And it's just jungle on all sides. It's just jungle everywhere. And we had stopped at the concession and we had loaded up with snacks because we had planned to be out there touring, you know, for the whole day. So we had every kind of drink and every kind of potato chip and every kind of candy bar and, you know, all nutritious stuff like that. And uh, I came around a little corner and there was a straightaway, probably quarter of a mile, kind of went down a little dip and then went up on the other side. And around the bottom of it, I looked and I said, oh my God, look, there's a, you know, look, you want to see some monkeys? There's some monkeys. There's, there's, uh, yeah, I was like 30 of them. Okay. This wasn't a, what's a, what's a monkey bunch called? Is it a troop? Well, this was a herd. And they were sitting on the side of the road, on, in the, in the, on the shoulder, in the grass. They're just sitting there looking around. And I thought, well, okay. <laughs> you know, let, let's go on by. Maybe we'll get some pictures as we're going by, you know, like that. So I started easing on ahead. And as we got closer, they spotted us. And... They're getting ready. I swear to God, I could see the lead one. He's telling them, okay, now listen, listen up, you little fucks. Listen to me. This is what we're going to do. Okay, Bob, you go around that way. Alex, you go up there. Jack, you jump on the top. You girls, you go over there and dance. You keep them busy, you know, like that. that. They had this fucking thing planned out. They really did. And I could, I could sense it. I could feel it in my bones. That's what they were doing. And we got closer, and I'm thinking, well, should I speed up? Get by really quickly. You know, this thing's only going to do seven miles an hour. You know, they can run faster than that. They can run easily, 20, maybe maybe 25, something like that. Um, but I, I thought maybe if we, did, we had zoomed on by, you know, they would say, oh, let that guy go. He's whatever. And we started getting closer, and I was getting right at the point where, okay, if I'm going to punch it, i got to do it now. And they came out and blocked the road. And by this time, we're 60, 80 feet from them. And I thought, well, <laughs> well, then, you little shits. And I, I thought, well, let, let's just turn around. Let's go back the other way. There's, you know, some other paths. <laughs> little trail things and I looked back to back up and we had been flanked they had us from behind too and they're moving in <laughs> I thought oh god well I don't know they're going to be nicer what the hell are they going to do maybe they're going to rape us I don't know what the, what the hell? they weren't very big you know but their monkeys are really really strong and they're really really vicious when they're mad Really? Oh, God, you don't want to fight even one, ever. Um, so, we stopped. Nothing else you could do. And they moved in. And then, like on command, they sprinted. <laughs> I swear to God, they could fly right out of Wizard of Oz. I swear to God, they were flying monkeys. They flew up into the air. They landed on that little golf cart thing. Had a top and a roof, you know, stuff like that. Really deluxe. And a, and a, and a bench seat in the back for the kid, you know. It's really nice. And they were on that thing. They were on it like locusts. On a, on a, on a 
cob of corn, you know. God almighty, it was, it was incredible. A little bit frightening. And there's, you know, there's like 10 of them on the roof. And they all are swinging down from the roof, you know, they're swinging in through the windshield. There's no windshield, but it's through that space. And they're everywhere. And the kid is screaming and stomping his feet and shrieking and crying. And the girl with me, she's like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, what do we do? What do we do? And I said, well, you, you know, just hide your hands and just sit there. <laughs> you know, don't move. And the monkeys didn't really regard us all that much. Um, but clearly they had done this before. Probably a thousand, five thousand times. And they knew every single compartment in that little vehicle. Even the ones that were latched, the glove box, the little place thing between the seats, the every place there could possibly remotely be a snack. They knew it in there to kachuk, 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 fast as they could go. You know, there's 30 of them. And they're just on it. And within 10 to 15 seconds, yeah, yeah, 10 to 15 seconds, no more than 15. There was not a snack or a drink left. And like on a signal, somebody said, yep, we got everything. Come on, Bob, let's go. Call them off. And they hopped down to the road and went back into the bush, carrying our bottles and our snacks and ripping them open. And, you know, Fritos flying into the air and they're just hopping around and squealing. And oh, this was a happy day. Happy, 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 happy day for the monkeys. And then we had no snacks and no drinks and no nothing. So we had to drive on to the next concession and stock up again. <laughs> it was like, I don't know, the snacks are cheap in Thailand, but this was like $30 in freaking snacks, you know? Holy crap. And then as we're, as we're leaving, we saw the bones of their previous uh, pillages. You know, little piles of bottles and wrappers and shit where they had to, people before us had been unlucky also. So this was a business enterprise, you know. <laughs> this was uh, Captain Hook, you know. Okay, that's monkeys. Um, monkeys will show up on your balconies. Do not let them. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have to say this. Do not let them in your freaking condo. Do not. 20, 30 floors up, they'll show up in your balcony. How they got there. Do not let them in. Uh, it's best not to put snacks out for them because then they're back every day. And then what's going to happen is one day you're going to be kind of groggy. You know, maybe it's nighttime, something like that. Oh, I want a breath of fresh air. You slide that door six inches. Bam, you got five of them in the condo. And then you just try to get them out. You just try it and see what happens. <laughs> they might as well just move. God. So they'll be out in front of your place and they're shinning up and down the wires, the electrical wires, and doing this and doing that. And they're examining everything that's loose and they think it might have some value. They'll run off and pick it to pieces, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, they get in the dumpsters. Uh, they like to chase the cats sometimes. Cats get all big and puffy, like, oh, God. God, it's aliens. First, I knew they were coming. You know? 
okay, so that's monkeys. I, there's a million monkey stories, but well, they run in gangs. Uh, well, the, the, the thing I just described was a gang attack, but all over Thailand, from time to time, they figure out how to organize more, better, more. And uh, they will go to tourist areas where they know the tourists won't slap them or kick them. And they particularly target children. They see children with a snack, but they don't come and beg, you know, like a polite monkey might. There'll be three or four of them. They'll just hit him like linebackers and knock him down, ravage whatever, go through his clothing. <laughs> it's regular mugging. I mean, it really is. Uh, God forbid they should ever figure out how to sharpen a stick, you know, then, oh, God, we're in trouble. And uh, in quite a few cases, the government would have to move in and relocate some leader monkeys, you know, or, or sometimes the whole bunch of them, split them up, you know, take them far out in the jungle so they never find their way back. But usually they do find their way back. You know. um, I was in Cambodia in uh, Phnom Penh. And that place is even, even the city, even in the city, it's lousy with them. And you walk along, maybe you're on a little trail, a little sidewalk or something, maybe two, two or three of them sitting on the sidewalk. And they see you coming. And you know, a dog, a lot of times they'll move. You know, monkeys won't. They just sit there and stare you down. Well, you don't really want to bump them with your foot. Might piss them off. Even if you get too close, might piss them off. And some of them, God, some of the ones in Phnom Penh are, geez, I don't know. They must be pushing 30, 40 pounds like chimps. They look like chimps. So you don't mess with them because they, they might bite you really badly. You don't mess with them. You, I don't care what you have to do. You go around. You find some other way around off the path. You make a new path. You go around them and you get back on the path and then you keep going. Uh, they love to sit on steps. So you got long steps going up somewhere. They love to clog up the steps. Uh, some can be higher than others, you know, and that's cool for them. I like them except for the biting part. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for the potential of being bitten really badly, even you can even lose a hand or something like that. You can lose your face. Uh, if it wasn't for that, I would love them a lot, but you just don't know. They're, we used to say that bears in Alaska, we used to say bears were notional creatures. Uh, they could just take a notion to ignore you, or they could take a notion to eat you. And you never know which was going to happen. And monkeys are like that. You don't know which. You can't predict them. Maybe some monkey expert can. I never could. Okay, so that's my monkey stories. Um, we covered driving to some degree. I'm going to leave that up there because um, I might hit it again. People want opinions of the nationalities you run into in Southeast Asia. Um, I've touched on this a few times. Now, something like this, if I say, well, these people traditionally cause this kind of problem and these other people cause that kind of problem, then you try to put that on YouTube, it's going to get yanked in 24 hours because YouTube couldn't possibly have anything controversial or opinionated. Oh my God, no, the world will end. <laughs> what a bunch of wussies.
It is really pathetic. So, what I'm going to say now could not ever sit on YouTube. Ever. Ever. Man, they can actually cancel your channel for voicing an opinion. And they do it, I don't know, a thousand times a day? Something? I don't know. People who have worked up a channel and they're depending on it as their sole source of income, they're screwed. They're effed. They're bankrupt. And I personally know many people that's happened to. So this is why we have never pursued YouTube at all. At all. Because we just know this stuff. I've never had anything jerked from YouTube. But then I've never monetized anything. I've never turned on the monetize checkbox. That's when things get ugly. That's when YouTube figures it owns your stuff. Can do anything it wants and control it in any way it wants. Well, I mean, they're giving you the platform, you know, and you're agreeing to the TOS, which is nebulous and insane, but you agreed to it. You check the little box that I agree. There you go. You're screwed. You didn't read it all, did you? Nobody does. And, and that's by design. They don't want you to. They want to make it so confusing and stupid that you just say, well, it's okay. You know, they, they, they probably wouldn't make me sign anything really heinous, you know. Oh, yeah, they would. And they do. Okay, so opinions of nationalities in Southeast Asia. Um, when I first got there, first the first nationality I became aware of was um, the Brits. Um, didn't think anything about them at first. Brits, what, what, what? You know, just Brits. They got a different accent. What the hell? I'd like to go to. Great Britain someday. Uh, my people come from Scotland. I want to go there. And then I'd like to see England. Seemed like a very proper country. Um, so the Brits are going to be the first people you run into. It's, it's going to be virtually all guys. They're all going to hang in the bars. It seems like that's the only place they got to go. They taught me very diligently and painstakingly and very thoroughly to hate their guts. Oh, there's hate speech. Oh, my God. Oh, call the FBI. They taught me to hate them. I didn't hate them at all. Not even one millionth of one percent, but they taught me to. I found them to be loud and crude and foul. I use foul language. They cannot say one sentence without using the F word. They cannot. It's in their DNA. They cannot do it. Um, I tell people I was on a, uh, a U.S. nuke sub long, 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 10 lifetimes ago. And the atmosphere was like a very high-end movie theater. Quiet, subdued lighting. People spoke in hushed tones only loud enough to be heard by the person they're speaking to. They were polite. Uh, officers would 
come into a compartment, they'd need something done, and they would go speak to one of the crew. They didn't yell across the compartment. They would speak to a crew, crewman. And they would say, okay, I'd like you to do this. And very often they said, please. And the crewman, yes, sir, on it. Got it. Don't worry. I got it. And they'd scurry off and do the best job they possibly could. Uh, very often the officers would say, thank you. And I thought, oh my God, I could just sort of live here forever. This, that was my idea of civilized beings. And it was pleasing. And I loved it. And I respected it. An officer comes and asks me to do something. In that manner, I'm going to bust my ass. I'm, I'm going to die trying to get that thing done. Okay, so many, many years later, just sort of by happenstance, I was on a UK nuke sub. It was like the, the atmosphere and the environment was like a movie theater where the ticket price was a penny. They only showed porn. And there were no ushers and no managers. And the only people, the only viewers who ever showed up were 16-year-old pimply-faced punks. And the, the decks were strewn with shit. Didn't smell nice. The lighting was harsh. Everybody was loud. Officers would bark commands across the compartment. Maybe clear through the, the, the hatch or the companionway in, into the next compartment. Just yelling, do this, do this, damn it. And even from the officers, every sentence had a fuck in it. And the officers would just rudely command somebody to do something. And, and they're like, their attitude was, well, I ain't into this, but, you know, I'll do a little bit of it if I have to, you know. It's not going to get done. It's not going to get done right. Then I'm going to quit early and don't like it. Fuck you. You know, that was their attitude. And I swear sometimes they almost verbalized that. It was kind of a atmosphere approaching Dante's Inferno. And I thought, oh, shit. It, it, it was such an epiphany for me to see the contrast between the U.S. nuke sub and the British nuke sub. It was uh, shocking. Well, it was shocking. And very, very displeasing, distressing even. Like, how and what, what kind of a crew is this? Where'd you get these guys? Out of the bar somewhere? Okay, so that's the mentality of Brits that I saw in Southeast Asia, Thailand. But all uh, every country, every country, it was the same with them. Uh, they sit around the bars and they're fat and they're, they dress stupidly and poorly. Then they smell and they're loud and they're drunk and they start fights that they can't back up. 
They're mouthy and they're insulting and they're rude. Rude. Unspeakably rude. They're fuckheads. And I got to the point where if I walked into a place, restaurant, bar, whatever, and I saw that there was really any number of Brits in there, if I, if I could hear their accents, I just walked out, just walked the fuck out. I don't want to be triggered by them. And that stayed that way, never got any better for the entire time that I was there. Ask the Germans there what they think of the Brits. They'll tell you exactly the same thing. I walked into, a, I specifically sought out this restaurant. It was a higher-end restaurant, biggish restaurant. I think they had, yeah, they had a hotel upstairs. Um, it was an English breakfast restaurant. They specialized in real, authentic, real English breakfast. Um, and all kinds of places will say that, and then you get there, and it's just some fucking Thai version of English breakfast. It's crap, you know, it's... <laughs> rice and chicken, you know, not English breakfast. So anyway, I sought this place out, drove all the way across town to get to it, went there, walked in, looked at the menu. The menu was really impressive. I thought, oh my God. And I sat at the, at the bar. So I had a full view of all the seated patrons. And I ordered a nice big English breakfast. Price was good. Because you, you can't get American stuff there. There's not enough Americans there that anybody would build an American restaurant, you know, except McDonald's. So British uh, English is the closest you're going to get. Um, and I sat there and I'm just looking around, you know, looking at the decor and thinking. And, and the place was full, it was jam-packed full. Every customer in there was a Brit. And every one of them had at least one bar girl sitting next to him. Sometimes two or three. All of them had one at least. Uh, how many people in there? Probably 60, at least 60. Yeah, 60. Uh, there wasn't any machinery or anything going so you could hear every conversation. And, and the Brits are loud. God, they're loud anyway. I don't, I don't know why they don't get megaphones implanted up their ass. So they can be that much louder and obnoxious. I don't know. Uh, anyway, I started tuning into some of the conversations nearest to me. And here's what they were. Every single one of them. Every single conversation. The guys would sit there. A lot of them knew each other. A lot of them didn't. And they would yell around to different tables. Whatever. Yell. And graphic detail. It makes me want to put my fucking fist through the monitor right now. They would yell in graphic detail what they did to that girl last night up in the room upstairs. Now, I ain't no prude. Look at alienanalprobe.com. You know, no prude. Prude can create that. And I go skirting the boundaries of uh, taste, you know, <laughs> quite often. But these guys were 120 kilometers over that line, describing what they did to each and every one of those girls last night. 
And they would laugh and guffaw among themselves. No, that's nothing. You know what I did to this one? And the girls, they're bar girls. They, they spoke English enough to understand, you know, 50% what was being said, 60, maybe some of them probably 80 or 90. And they just sat there with their heads down. Because they couldn't leave, they, could, they couldn't walk out because they hadn't been paid yet for last night. They had to sit there and choke this shit down. Well, I'm not going to go into any specifics of what I heard. I don't think Howard Stern even would parrot that shit. A lot of the talk had to do with various foods going up the vagina. Chair legs. Oh, that really made her, that made her come. Oh my God. And I've, I never felt more badly for any girls on earth. I never, to this day, I, I can't imagine how any girls I could feel more pity for. I suppose if they're starving, they're living in the dump and they're scraping out old tin cans to get a little bit of food and then they get food poisoning and they lay there and die. I guess I'd feel worse for them. Maybe. These girls were mortified beyond my ability to articulate. Every one of them, they weren't laughing, they weren't joining in. This was not a good time. If I had the money of Gates, I would have stood up. I would have told him to shut up or get hurt. And I would have announced to the Thai girls, every one of you gets 10,000 baht, walk out now. Meet me outside, I'll give you 10,000 baht every single one of you. Tell these fucking oaf pieces of fucking shit to shove it up their own fucking ass. 10,000 baht right now, walk out. If I would have had that kind of money. Well, let's see. At that time, I did. It would have hurt. But I could have done it. But what would it have proven? Well, it would have showed, would have shown that the, the Thai girls that there are better human beings in the world wouldn't have showed the Brits anything at all. They, all they would do is uh, their next get together like that, they'd be even more disgusting. That was a bad experience for me. That was, uh, I ate about half of my meal and paid and tipped and left. And I kept looking at the, the girls behind the, the counter like, you know, this is your establishment. Why don't you tell them to shut up? Why don't you? Tell them to exercise a little bit of decor, decorum here. And the, and they knew what I was thinking exactly, and they would just look away like, you know, we don't own it, we can't do anything. It was a Brit that owned it, and I'm sure he was just endlessly entertained by that fucking putrid behavior, because that's probably what he was about. Also, that was a really that was a low moment in my life. 
I, w- I should have videoed it. I, I kicked myself. I should have videoed it on the phone. Phones in those days were, were not all that good, but I, I still could have got it. I could have got good, clear audio at the very least. Post it on, post that on YouTube, see how long it lasts. You know, they don't want any kind of reality on there. They want silly, fluffy shit. Um, I'm still, yeah, this, this, this was, oh, God, like eight years ago. And I'm still just reeling from it. It was that odious. It was that rotten. Rotten. So, YouTube will almost certainly not allow me to say anything disparaging against the Brits. Well, fuck them. Fuck the Brits and fuck YouTube. I can say it on my own server. They don't like it. Fuck them again. Up the ass. With a razor wire bat. Now, I have not been to England and all around it, just through the airport one time. Um, I, I pray to God that the real Brits are not like that at all. But I don't know. Because these are the only Brits I have any experience with. And I, I got endless, endless, far, far too much experience with these Brits all across Southeast Asia. Last Brit story. And then I cannot stomach any more of these pieces of fucking dog shit. Um, I was in a little town in... Uh, well, it doesn't really matter. I, was, I happened to be in a little town in southern Philippines because I bopped back and forth between Thailand and Philippines and all around everywhere. And I was in this little town, and, and you can see this in Manila. It doesn't, you can go everywhere. It doesn't matter. Um, and I was sitting in a sidewalk cafe having a something to drink. And it was adjacent to a big popular bus stop public bus stop on a main boulevard. And there were seating for, I don't know, probably 15 or 20 people, bench seats, waiting for the buses. And every seat was taken by a young girl because it was, I think school was getting out. I think high school was getting out, maybe junior high. Probably both. And they would walk from the school over to this bus stop, wait for the bus, buses to take them home. Uh, so they're sitting there, and, and actually they they couldn't seat them all. There was quite a few standing there in, in lines and queues. And I didn't think anything about it. I was just sitting there drinking my drink and looking around, watching the traffic. And I noticed that these guys, there's a steady stream of guys. Now, these girls ranged in age from probably about eight. I don't think I saw any older than about 15 So it had, to, it had to be like a junior high level. And I noticed that there was a steady stream of guys. And they would just come around, one alone or sometimes a couple together. And these are old guys, fat guys. Um, probably 60 up. I, I'm sure I didn't see any younger than 60. They all had British accents, and I could hear them quite clearly. 
even when they whispered, because I was that close. There's a lull in the traffic. I could hear every whisper. And they would stand back from these little pockets of girls and, and look at them and appraise them. And then they would sidle up to them. And their pitch would go something like, hey, hey baby, are you hungry? Would you like some food? Um, are you okay? Uh, would you like some money? Because I can give you some money. And these girls were mortified beyond description. They would just put their heads down and turn it away from these guys. And their body posture was tense. They'd fold their arms. They had to stay there and wait for the bus, just praying that son of a bitch would show up. Any second, please, please, God, please, where's my bus? Where's my bus? And these guys would just keep on it. And they're trying to be secretive about it, but you could hear them. And they're just trying to get the girl to say anything at all. You know, would you like some money? Well, yes. Then they got him. They fucking got him. All they get, they get one little response. They got him. That's the hook. They just set the hook. And they know what to say next. Well, you know, I, I can give you some money right now. You know? It, 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 and they're masters at this shit. Because they've been doing it for God knows how many years, maybe decades. Uh, I would say 85% of the girls just, you know, did what I said. They looked down, they got tense, and they folded their arms, and they looked away. And Okay, 85%. I would say 10%. You could tell that they were interested, but they didn't want to chance it. They didn't want to get involved. They knew it was bad, but they're still, they're thinking, God, oh, God, oh, God, I, how, how much money? They didn't say that, but they're thinking it. You could tell. And yes, I am hungry. Yes, I, I live in a fucking shit shed with my family and the chickens, you know. I'm, yes, I'm hungry. They're thinking that. A couple, of, you know, occasionally they would glance up at the guys. Just try to assess them, I guess. Okay, so that's, so now we've, we've accounted for 95% of the girls. The other 5%, they'd look around, see if their friends were looking, see if anybody's looking, and, and they're like, uh, no, it wasn't 5%. Two, two or 3%. And you could see him mumble something like, well, how, how much? How much? I can have money now? What, what would I have to do? And, and the guys are like, well, you know, we'll just go to my house and we'll have some food. And we'll talk. And they think about that for a minute. Of those, of the ones who responded like that, what percentage actually went with the guys. Less than 1%, I would say. Out of 100, I would, well, shit. Barely one out of 100. But the guys didn't care because that was their occupation. Pedophile, pedophilia was their fucking occupation. That was their job. That was their business. Um, and they get the girls to their home. Yeah, I mean, you know the story. They get them to their little condo or whatever the fuck. And, uh, you know, feed them. Here, have a glass of this. It's really tastes good. You know, it's uh, it's sweet wine. Oh, you'll like it so much. 
and then, uh, you know, they get them a little bit drunk and the girl wants the money. They get the money out there on the table. It might be uh, those guys probably offering 10 bucks. And the girl sees that on the money, so she knows the money's real. And they help her over to the bed. You know, they might be 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. I came very, very close. And I, I watched these guys for hours that one day. And then once I was cued in on what they were doing, I watched them for the whole rest of the time I was there. I was there a couple of months, I guess. Uh, sometimes you see the same faces, but of guys, mostly it's a whole new crowd, whole new crowd, just filtering through. They probably had circuits. They probably had routes, you know, around all the bus stops, something like that. Virtually all Brits, virtually all, 99%. Never saw one under 60. I came very close, very, very close, quite a few times to just sidling up behind him and sucker punch him in the fucking temple. Oh, God, I, I wanted to do that so bad I almost cried over it. And if you stand up, if you stand up and face them and hard stare them down, usually they'd wander off. They'd just go to the next girl. You know, they walk 30, 40, 50 feet to the next group. Figure you're not going to follow them there. You'd probably go to Philippine prison. They do that in every country, of course, but they seem to do it more in Philippines than any other country. These guys don't want hookers. They want really young, preferably virgins. Now, are all Brits like that? Pretty much all the ones I met in Southeast Asia. I'm sure there has to be a few that aren't like that, that I didn't happen to personally meet. And I'm positive the entire British population is not like that. This is a teeny tiny percentage. But it's the ones who show up here. Now, finally, thank you, sweet Jesus, finally, after all the decades of these guys doing this shit, how many babies did they produce to, to fucking 13-year-old girls and they, they, know they could never be found, you know? Temple punching is too good. Anyway, um, I lost my track. I got so engrossed in the thought of temple punching them, I lost my train of thought. Um, hell. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, I hate that when that happens. I, that was such a lovely thought that, you know. Okay, so what finally happened in the Philippines, I don't, I don't know of any other country who has instituted this law. The Philippines just did it like, I don't know, like a year ago, I think. I think it only went into effect like a year ago, maybe even less, I'm not sure. The Philippine government got so tired of this because some of the girls would go home and tell their parents and their parents would say, oh, oh no, 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 this ain't going to fly. And they would go to the police. And, and so the police were just being bombarded by complaints about this, but they didn't do anything about it for decades and decades and decades because it was not illegal. Anyway. Philippine government finally initiated a new law. You can look it up. I don't remember the number of the law. Just one on the books. That says, if a guy does this, they don't care if he's a falang. If a guy does this to you, the girl, you fucking call us and you tell us 
we'll arrest that son of a bitch on the goddamn spot for that. It is a specific crime now to do that. I don't know. I suspect that it's not being followed up on because Filipino girls are so shy, especially in the provinces, like where I was. They're so shy, they're not going to tell their parents because they're afraid their parents are going to think they did something wrong. They're just, they're going to tell their friends, probably. But the police are never going to hear about it. There's never going to be a complaint. Nobody's ever going to get arrested. I don't know. You could probably look up and see if there have been guys arrested for this. If there have been, I bet the number is really, really small, especially compared to the tens and tens and tens and hundreds of thousands of guys who do it and the number of times they've done it. Um, I have not, since I've been back to Philippines, I have not been to those areas where, where this was uh, prevalent. <laughs> um, so I haven't been in a position to look and see if they're still doing it. I suspect they probably still are. If I see it again, I don't know. I don't know how much control I'm going to have because now I'm pre-pissed. Maybe the solution is to uh, not say a word, just follow them. A lot of times they'll try to do this around dusk-ish, so they're, you know, not broad daylight, a little bit duskish. So you just follow them to their home, hope that they have to go down some little trail, you know, on the way to their home, something like that. And you say, excuse me, sir, might I have a word? And you have a word. Sorry, I don't give a rat's ass if anybody likes it or not. I don't fucking care. We do live in a thing called society. And society has rules and norms and acceptable behavior and unacceptable behavior. I, these are bullies. These are sex bullies. They're pedophilia bullies. And I don't like them. When I was a little kid, I remember I was in kindergarten. Kindergarten. And we had a blind kid in our school. They weren't being separated out at that point. He's totally blind. And I felt bad for him. And I helped him around, helped him get to his seat and helped him find his pencil, you know, and shit like that. Nice kid, nice. But he got bullied a lot because he was blind. And uh, even as a kindergartner, I was in a lot of fights. Because I won't fucking tolerate it. I won't. I don't care. They want, want to kill me? Okay, well, okay but they're going to get hurt before that happens. All Brits. I don't recall ever seeing another accent do that. Certainly they probably do. Probably some Americans in there too. Well, they get the same goddamn treatment. Okay, so. Somebody made a mistake of asking me about different nationalities in different countries. Well, 
there. We've covered that except for specific stories that are come up going to come up as we go along. I'm I'm just basically relating my experiences all this time through Southeast Asia because I'm too lazy to make an outline. And this is the best way I can remember. This is the best way I can come up with to be able to remember all the stuff that needs to be mentioned. So I just go through my life there because I did everything there was to do. And I experienced everything there was to do. And so I can I can just think back and say, well, let's see. And the week after that, I did this. Oh, yeah. Okay, we'll talk about that. So that's how this whole thing's going to go. Uh, what do we get for notes here? Um Oh, 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 uh, people are saying that I need to clarify. Um, Thailand, I, I, I sort of suggested females should not go to Thailand. Well, I'm not saying they shouldn't. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, what's going to be the point? Well, it depends. If you want to go to Thailand to experience the culture and the food, uh, go. Jesus, go. You'll love it. You'll love it. If you're going there with any thoughts of romance, you know, of finding a guy in Thailand, forget that. Of keeping your guy in Thailand, forget that. <laughs> Anything romantic is going to end very, very badly for you. Western women, just don't even. If you have that thought in your head, don't go. Just don't go. Leave the boyfriend at home. Leave the hubby at home. Uh, don't even think about Thai guys unless you want to hire them. You know, like that one girl, what was her name? April. <laughs> I, th I, I think I made a mistake. I think that actually was her name. <laughs> so, uh, I don't, I never knew her last name, but anyway. Um, if you want to go hire hot young Thai guys, you're a cougar. Oh gosh, you're a cougar. Well, I don't know. They're not going to like you. They like thin brown Thai, Thai girls. That's what they like. That's what we all like. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so anyway, just, you know, don't go, uh, can if you want, but a lot of times the Western women, any white, white skinned, taller women who go to Thailand are mistaken for Russian hookers. There's quite a few Russian hookers there and I don't know why, uh, Thais don't want them. Uh, I suppose the Phalangs want them. I don't know. I I think they're gorgeous women, but I don't ever want to sleep with them. I've known too many of them, and I don't want anything to do with them. Even the ones who aren't hookers, I don't want anything to do with them. It, it was a, a weird thing that happened. I usually had a, a big camera, a big, uh, maybe a 400 millimeter, big Canon, um, that I would take everywhere. I tried to remember to take it absolutely everywhere I went. And... If I was sitting somewhere and I had that thing, I would begin to notice in my periphery vision, peripheral vision, that somebody was kind of edging around over there, getting kind of closer. And I could I could sort of tell that they were looking at me more and more. And I would think, oh, Thai girl, she wants to hit on me. And I'd look over. No, it's a Russian girl. Very often it's stunning. Beyond supermodel. Looks beyond, beyond. I, there's some pictures on uh, stockphotosworldwide.com. And I thought, oh, they, they want to hit on me. Oh, well, I don't know. I don't really like, I don't like white skin. I'm sorry. I don't like white skin. I never have. Even when I was a little kid, I didn't like it. 
I think it's creepy. <laughs> uh, my wife had white skin. She was German, but you know, I dealt with that because I loved her in the heart. So I would have dealt with anything at all. Uh, she would have lost all her limbs and got her face ruined by acid. I do would, would mean nothing to me, nothing. Uh, but I don't go looking for girls with white skin because I don't <laughs> like it. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, so anyway, I would look at them and I would see that they're they're looking at me, looking at me, looking at me. And here's and they they would very quickly as soon as they knew they had my attention, they would very quickly start trying to pose in ways that didn't look like poses. It was the damnedest thing. <laughs> it was just comical. Um, every kind of wackadoodle pose you could think of, poses I never imagined even when I was shooting in studio. <laughs> They're really creative. And they can knock out bodies and their skin is beautiful. If you, you know, like you just take it put some tan cream on it, you know, so it's not white anymore. Oh God, they'd be, they'd be the most stunning women on earth. Uh, all the Eastern Bloc women are, God, they're Romanian, Ukrainian women. Oh my God. But they're white, you know. So anyway, these Russian girls would see that I had a big camera and I very quickly figured out they didn't want to hit on me at all. They thought I was some big time photographer and they wanted to be discovered. That's all it was. Sometimes they do this right in front of their husband, with their husband. Maybe the husband is coaching them a little bit. Now stand this way. Now stick it, stick this titty out. Yeah, he's looking at you. Go ahead now, now, now. Okay, so that's what it was. And sometimes I would snap them, and uh, usually I wouldn't. <laughs> um, anyway, that was a peculiar thing that Russian women did, and only Russian women, only them. No other women. None. Ever. Not one time. I, they probably think, you know, maybe this is a way out of Russia, you know. Maybe this is a way I can stay here and where it's warm, you know. Instead of going back to Moscow. Oh, God. Because they were all on vacation. They weren't staying there. They were just vacation girls. Or couples. Well, well that's not true. A lot of them were, were working in the bars. They had specific Russian bars. Well, they still do. Uh, where only Russian girls could work in there. So the guys who only wanted Russian girls, they could go in there, and then that's all they had was Russian girls. Okay, so whatever. So they, you know, they have days off and stuff like that. They're out mucking around, wanting to get photographed. Uh, okay, so there. We've <laughs> I'm just whacking through these notes here. What are we doing for time? Yeah, not too bad. Pretty soon. Uh, okay, people say, why would anybody like Cambodia? Okay, because I've described that it's uh, rough and tumble. <laughs> it's the Old West. It's the Old West. It's, uh, wow. Okay. There is a certain charm to chaos. Some people just don't even want to have anything to do with it. Some people are... Some people go there and like, oh my God, I'm home. I'm home. Oh, God, thank you, thank you. I, uh, and then there's guys like me who say, well, it's kind of, it, it has its upside and it has its downside. You know, I can deal with the chaos. Uh, I don't mind fighting a robber over my suitcase or my backpack or whatever. 
but it's kind of a pain in the butt at the same time, you know. Uh, when you get to Cambodia, you're going to want to buy a gun. You can buy them. They're expensive. They're going to be in bad condition. Oh, I know what I was going to do. For, for this question or any question like this, I was going to do my thing about Pol Pot. P-O-L, maybe a dash, maybe not a dash. P-O-T, Pol Pot. He was a Khmer, uh, what the hell was he? He was a general of the Khmer army back in the early 70s. And he rose up through the ranks, got to be, got to be the big cheese. And he destroyed, he single-handedly destroyed Cambodia. Uh, I'm not going to do that now. That's a longish, that's like an hour just on that. So um, people say, well, why is Cambodia so fucked up? Well, that's why, because Pol Pot destroyed it. He sent it back. Well, no. The U.S. military went in and, and, and bombed it back into the Stone Age, and I remember them on TV saying, yeah, Cambodia, we stoned, we, we bombed it back into the Stone Age. Uh, fuck those people. Uh, shit. Well, they did. They did. They're still not recovered from it. Their, their rail system still has not recovered from uh, Vietnam War bombing in the 68, 69. They still haven't been able to put it back together. They did. They bombed them back into the Stone Age. And then they were just starting to kind of sort of recover. And then along about 1973, 74, something like that, uh, Pol Pot came along and just gave them the coup de grace. They were, they were down for the count. Not really recovering from, from Vietnam. And then this asshole, come here, guy. He's a come here, guy. I uh, he went to college, went to university in the U.S. And he came along and said, well, motherfuckers, so I'm just going to finish you off because I think it'll be fun. And he killed uh, all the estimates vary, but I'm thinking 3 million. High estimates are something like 4.5, low estimates a uh, mil and a half. I've studied him. I'm certainly not a uh, an expert on Pol Pot at all. I studied him enough such that I felt that I had a really strong idea of what happened, and I've walked his killing fields. Uh, and I know people, yeah, you go to Cambodia, everybody's going to tell you, oh, yeah, my, he killed my father, you know. Well, he might have, probably didn't. It's kind of a thing they do to get sympathy from Westerners. But I know people in Thailand who ran and hid, had to live for weeks and weeks in their own farm fields out in the, in the irrigation ditches because Pol Pot was coming to Thailand. Uh, Pol Pot was the devil. Pol Pot was Satan. And that's why, why Cambodia, Cambodian people were down on the ground and they're, they're bleeding and they're stunned from Vietnam. Hungry. They don't know what to do next. And they're on their hands and knees. Puking blood. Collectively. And their own guy, Pol Pot, he comes along and he says, well, off with their fucking heads. So I suppose what we've done here is we've led up to what has to be the next episode, Pol Pot. Um, now, I told you I'm not an expert on Pol Pot. 
it's possible I could get some little details wrong when I go through my Pol Pot thing. Uh, I've been to the killing fields a few times. That's where I got the bone up through my shoe, little girl. God damn um, it's way out in the country outside of Phnom Penh. Uh, I remember this in real time. Um, the U.S. news networks announced that Pol Pot was just running through Cambodia, killing everybody. And a lot of us, a lot of us are like, well, okay, let, let's go. Let's fucking go. Let's go now. You know, just go. Let's go. You know, nobody wanted to go back to that region, but for that, they're like, okay, we're on board. Let's go. Come on, rock and roll. And I did too. I, I wanted to go back there so badly, I almost cried about it at nights. And this went on for a long, 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 long time. And the, and the American news just kept reporting it, reporting it. You know, so many more bodies found today. So many more bodies, so many more bodies. And he's doing this. Now he's doing that. Now he has killed every teacher in the city. Now he's killed every lawyer in the city. And, and we're just watching this as, as good as the coverage could be, which was, was not all that great. Uh, and the U.S. government wouldn't let us go because it was pissed off at Cambodia because Cambodia had chosen sides with Vietnam during the war, North Vietnam. Um, and so it's like, okay, Cambodia can rot. We don't care what kind of horrors those people are going to suffer. We don't care. It's good. Pol Pot's a good man. He's teaching them that they shouldn't have fucked around with the U.S. You know? Well, it, the Pol Pot thing had nothing to do with the U.S. Uh, but Pol Pot killed Cambodia's heart. Killed its heart. Now, when I'm in Cambodia, especially Phnom Penh, where the center of all this shit was, um, okay, if I'm in San Francisco and some fuckhead grabs my bag and tries to run off, I'll stop him. I'll fucking stop him using any means I have to. Any means. If I'm in Phnom Penh and somebody grabs my bag and tries to run off, I'll stop him. But I don't feel the I don't feel the hatred because I know that all of his mentors, all of his trainers, all of his teachers, all of the people who provided structure to his society, gone, they're killed, gone. And he grew up, could be his parents grew up, without this structure, without this training, without the teaching. And they just had to fend for themselves. All these years, Pol Pot uh, got out of there. They, uh, actually, the Vietnamese ran him out in 79. And then he retreated up to the Thailand border. He tried to get into Thailand, and Thailand said, ah, nope, nope, motherfucker, nope. And so he just settled right on the border of Thailand and, uh, and Cambodia, and he got himself a little compound there, and he lived out his life. I think he died in 98. He, they tried to prosecute him a few times, half-heartedly. 
nobody really got punished for that. But I guess tomorrow or, or whatever episode, the next one is 13. Well, that's fitting, isn't it? Fucking fuck. 13. This is 12, so the next will be 13. Sometimes I skip 13. Not going to. Pol Pot deserves to have his episode labeled 13. Um, I, I want to go. I want to go back there so bad. I. This was, you know, for a guy who viscerally hates bullies, and here's the greatest, most prolific bully since Hitler. Since really, he's number two in the world, and people don't really hear about him that much. I don't think anybody knows what his real name ever was. He assigned the name Pol Pot to himself. American educated. And then he went to France and the, the frogs taught him about communism. And he thought, oh yeah, baby, this is the way. And then he took that to uh, Cambodia and decided to implement it. Um, I'll say one thing. I'm going to go through the story in the next episode. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you right now, if you have no other reason why Americans should have guns, this is your reason. The When Pol Pot came sweeping through Phnom Penh with his army, with the Khmer army, their own people, when he came sweeping through Phnom Penh, nobody could resist that. All they had kitchen knives. And the army was the army. And he killed them all. Okay, why couldn't they resist? Because they didn't have any guns. Why didn't they have any guns? Because the government, long before this, had taken them all from the Khmer people for their safety. And they all died, three million. Because an aspect of the government went crazy. And it took um, it took other forces uh, three years, three three or four years to stop him. Okay, so that's that's the next episode. Pull, pot, and uh, nobody knows what the name means. He just pulled it out of his ass. If there was any meaning to it, he never told anybody. Pull, pot, P O L, P O T. Uh, okay, so I think we're done. Now, I couldn't say anything like any of this stuff on YouTube because this is a, a war subject. Oh, fuck. And the things I'm going to tell you in the next episode are beyond anything you ever imagined in your wildest dreams. I, I actually went through this, I think, partially in one of the old uh, alien you know, probe tapes. But I'll do it again. And hopefully that's the last time in this lifetime I got to go through this. I could very well end up back down there. If I get tired of the Philippines, I, that's maybe where I would go next. Uh, I can get along down there. A lot of people can't. I can. Except for the food. I can't, I can't eat the food. Well, hell, you can barely eat the food in the Philippines either, so. Uh, I wish... God, if YouTube was made up of adults, 
This would be great content for YouTube. But it's not made up of adults. It's made up of snowflake little millennial fucking limp wristed somethings. Oh, I got one more note here. I got to cover this. How, how, how's our time? Oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, okay, people are saying... Um, they say there's this discrepancy. I, did we cover this before? Or did I just forget to take this note off here? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. About birth certificates. Okay, I made the mention, you know, everybody knows I'm perfectly pro LGBMSPTQ fucking whatever. I don't care. I don't want to know about it. I'm not going to change my language for it. I don't care what you are and you shouldn't care what I am either and you have no right to ask me and I have no right to know what you are and that's the end of it I don't care if you're my friend you're my friend I'll, I'll call you my friend I don't care you like to fuck rabbits I don't care I don't want to know about it well I mean rabbits maybe you know that would be fine but <laughs> um I did know a guy in Thailand who did I'm sorry uh, okay, so I made the comment that there's a third sex. There's males and females, and then right in the middle of that, there's another sex, and then there's offshoots from that in every direction. Okay, the third sex, the middle sex, is real, and I made that argument. It's a real thing. There are people who are not, well, there are guys who really in their souls are females and vice versa, and then there are people who aren't either one, and they're real. It's a third sex. Uh, and I said, well, they should put that on their birth certificates then. Okay. And then everybody wrote in like, oh, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're, you're a moron. They can't go on the birth certificates. Okay. That's not what I meant. I said it, but I didn't mean that. Um, their original birth biology, their DNA has to go on the birth certificate. It has to, because if they, you know, trip over an alligator, fall down, hit their head, Got to go to the hospital. They're unconscious. The doctors have to know what the hell physiology they're dealing with. You know, it's a million things like that. They have to know. So your birth gender, your birth DNA is is what it is. Period. You know, unless they can change the DNA, you are stuck with that turkey. Period. Suck it up. Okay. What I meant was, God, you got to be so careful. Jeez, you got to be careful explaining yourself on here because people will pick these to death. Um, what I meant was it should be available as an amendment to a birth certificate, biological birth, sex, male, female. There's only two. Genetically, there's only two. Um, identifies as whatever. Don't care. That should go on the birth certificate. That should be so that You can show documented, doc documentably, that's what you identify as. I, that's, I just don't know why they wouldn't do that. What would be the problem? Well, maybe the problem is that, well, in the old days, you know, birth certificates were, were just paper things. There were no electronic copies. It'd be really hard to change those forms. I mean, you'd have to do it graphically, you know. God, for, for every county, for every state. God, it would be a colossal mess. Uh, I don't know. I think they are allowing people to 
put identifiers on driver's licenses or something. I'm not sure. The original birth DNA has to remain, period. It has to. Okay, and then, and then they say, what about um, uh, trans in sports, you know, switching sides in sports? No, it's fucking bullshit. It's just fucking bullshit. It's bullshit. Males are bigger, almost always. They're stronger, almost always. They have different muscle structures, almost always. They have different skeletal structures, almost all, well, always. <laughs> um, for them to compete against women is one of the craziest things I ever heard in my entire life. You want to make a category for trans? Do that. They can all compete together. The biological males in that category are usually going to win. Okay, whatever. At least you know that going in before you join that club. Uh, any, any biological male who's, who's trans, who takes it upon himself to go enter all the girls' sports and then win, what is he winning? We have a, a field right down here below my building. It's uh, They do uh, um, junior high um, sports things in it. Really nice field. I could go down there and join certain kinds of athletic events. Well, maybe not so much now, <laughs> but I could, you know, a few years ago. And I'd win every single one. What would I win? Nothing. How? Do, do you not have any self-respect at all? Hey, look, Mom. I went out. I beat a bunch of girls today. Yes, I'm a girl, but I'm not really a girl, but I beat him anyway. Aren't you proud of me, Mom? Because I'm 6'4", and they were 5'3", and I beat them. That means I'm really, really special, right, Mommy? You fucking shitting me. Jeez, I gotta go. Time's up. Tomorrow. Next day. Whatever. Whatever the hell. If I don't get hit by a speeding tuk-tuk. <laughs> Could happen. <laughs> um, Pol Pot. Cambodia. I mean, I know we're doing Thailand, but I want you to understand what the culture is like in that whole region because you may not go to Thailand. You may go to Cambodia. Lots of, lots of more guys are getting fed up with Thailand. They're going to Cambodia. So I'm going to fill you in a little bit. And I'm going to try to arrange it such that you can develop a little bit of compassion for Cambodians. I mean, I don't have a great deal for them, but I sure as hell have some because I know what they went through. And I know how that society got its legs cut up from under it back in the 70s. So yeah, I'll stop a robber, but I know what he's been through. You know, maybe not him personally, but I know the background of, of, of how, he, how he has had to live and, and the, the disadvantages that he's had or she. Um, okay, that's it. All tapes, copyright 2023, stock photos worldwide.com. If you like aliens, go to theyclaim.com. Or save 
the gay whales for Jesus. Dot com. All right. Thank you very, very much. See you next time. Oh, God, we're way over. Good evening and good night.